Welcome to Under the Ring Pro Wrestling Conversations. My name is Phil Strum. So glad you've joined me today. So excited today that my guest is the two-time WWE champion, the Scottish warrior, Drew McIntyre. Drew will be challenging the long-reigning intercontinental champion, Gunther, at SummerSlam on Saturday, August 5th at Detroit's Ford Field. Those two guys and Sheamus had an incredibly hard-hitting triple threat match at WrestleMania this year, and Sheamus and Gunther also had their slugfest at Clash at the Castle last year in Cardiff. So now it's Drew and Gunther's turn. Drew's had a really interesting career, starting in WWE at 22, getting let go, entirely reinventing himself, coming back, only to get his first WWE championship in the only WrestleMania ever with no live audience during the pandemic in 2020. Uh, he was one of the company's MVPs in the PC and Thunderdome eras for sure, and he's still a huge star now. So here we go with Drew McIntyre. So honored to be joined today by the two-time WWE champion, the Scottish warrior, Drew McIntyre. Drew, thanks for joining me today on Under the Ring Pro Wrestling Conversations. Oh, thank you very much for having me. It's an awesome name for the show, Under the Ring. I do not like being under the ring, but it's fun when you finally get out. Like those moments where people magically appear in the ring and they're like, where did they come from? They came from under the ring and being under there is miserable trying to stretch and get ready. But if you come out without getting a cramp, it's an awesome moment. Nice, nice. So let's let's start with what's coming up for you. It's you and the Intercontinental Champion Gunther at SummerSlam on Saturday at Ford Field. Uh, you guys, along with Sheamus, beat the hell out of each other at WrestleMania after, of course, he and Sheamus did the same at Clash at the Castle last year in Cardiff. What are your expectations for that match with Gunther? I mean, you probably just said it there. We're probably just going to go to very delicate on each other and have a very delicate match and a lot of stalling and tippy-tapping. Now we're going to beat the absolute hell out of each other. Like I know without even thinking about some ideas and I do have some ideas how it's going to go, but it's going to be pretty simple. It's going to be pretty easy to follow for not just our fans, but for people watching for the first time who don't necessarily understand the cool flips that some of our superstars that like Ricochet do, but they understand people being hit and being hit back. And that's what Gunther and I are you know, specialists at. And I think we're going to take it to another level because realistically, just like Seamus and Gunther had the incredible match at Clash, we had to top it at Mania had people rocking from beginning to end. And now Gunther and I have to top that triple threat match. How do you assess Gunther and, and what is his ceiling in, in pro wrestling in the WWE? He's certainly got no ceiling. Um, and it's awesome to watch his evolution. You got to keep evolving in this industry. You got to keep getting better. Uh, and you got to keep swimming or you drown inevitably. And, you know, to watch his evolution, he was great outside of the company in Independence. He was great in NXT UK. His matches have always been phenomenal. He's always had that hard hit and believable style. But to also see his transformation, um, you know, body-wise, and the Imperium come together and see their you know, chemistry together as an act that truly works in WWE to the point where all the superstars have came back and been brought in over the past couple of years, I put them right at the top. Um, they are such an important act on the show and, you know, I'd say move on to the world title, but why he's made the intercontinental title so important that right now you get a Gunther versus a Drew McIntyre for the intercontinental championship to some people that might be just as big, if not bigger than the world championship match in SummerSlam. Yeah, that's a great point. And uh, I, I love the the sort of frenemies thing that you have going at times with Sheamus, who's also had a bit of a career resurgence himself the last couple of years in WWE. 
How do you sum up your relationship with him? And is it possible ever for you guys not to beat the snot out of each other? No, even when we're on the same page, we still beat the snot out of each other <laughs> and usually have a pain afterwards. Uh, but I guess big brother, little brother is the best way to uh, sum it up. I know I probably have to stop making the age gags because I've made them like 10 million times. <laughs> uh, and then I used it on TV on Monday, which I don't think I've ever said it on TV, but I can't even count the amount of interviews or I pointed out we've known each other literally since that was nineteen twenty. And he is older, but I always say he was like twenty seven forty eight at the time when I was nineteen. Because I like to point out he's much, much older. But I got it in on Monday and then I got the laugh in the arena. I was like, all right, I think I've I've reached the peak of this joke. I don't know how much more I can use it. But yeah, we've been through everything together, all the ups and downs of life in this industry. And any opportunity we get to be together um, in the ring is awesome because we know we're going to bring it against everybody, but especially against each other. And Gunther's of the same mindset. And like I said, on Monday, it was awesome to have that triple threat. And Sheamus and I always dreamed of a singles match at Mania. And we basically had that. And that was the story of the match. Uh, how the finish came around was our personal issue. Sheamus and I came to a head so much. We were just fighting each other for about 10 straight minutes with the brogues and claymores and me diving over the top and beating the hell out of each other, forgetting there's the undefeated Austrian champion in the outside and he slid in at our weakest, took advantage, won the match as he should have um, because of the, the stipulation of a triple threat. So it was cool that we had that time to have that singles match and, you know, Gunther coming in as the bad guy because the way he wrestles, the way he presents himself could easily be mistaken as a good guy. You know, mm -hmm. I'm going to beat you up and win the match and he beats you up and wins the match. I'm like, hey, this guy's kind of a badass. I like this guy. But any opportunity, he can be, you know, a bad guy, but justified, taking advantage of a situation that's good for himself um, as a heel character. And it's good for McIntyre to be able to point that out and be like, you know, now we've got a singles match one-on-one. -on -one. You found out what I'm about to a certain extent, but one-on-one, -on -one, you're really going to find out what I'm all about. And for our audience, we have an opponent for Gunther, but they don't just think, oh, this is going to be a good match, but he's probably going to win and retain the title. Um, we've got a match where people are questioning as they should. Is Gunther going to win and break the record or is McIntyre going to win? He just returned and finally have his moment with a title in front of fans. Yeah, it would definitely one of my favorite matches uh, in WrestleMania with you guys. So uh, I'm really, really looking forward to SummerSlam for that. Um, with the in UK influence on pro wrestling, I count a, a whole lot of people on pretty much every roster in the world right now from, from the UK and from Europe. Where do you think... Uh, UK and Europe are now as pipelines into WWE and elsewhere? Ooh, I'd say pretty much near the top of the list. Um, I think at one point it used to be just Canada where you would get like other top superstars from. And now it's so diverse and so many different countries are represented um, across all the, all the brands. It's incredible to see. And for me personally, it's one thing of people from the UK but to see such a high Scottish representation, there's only 5 million Scottish people like in the world. Like it's such a small country. And I was the first ever Scott signed directly from Scotland straight and to the WWE. And now to look around me and see, um, you know, the Wolfgangs and the coffees and the, kind of the Kelly Ray's name on the show and I Don, but I know they're attacking with new names. Alba Fire. Alba Fire. Thank you. And uh, Nikki Cross. Um, it's just incredible to see such a large percentage of Scotland represented, not just uh, the UK. And a uh, very cool feeling and an awesome feeling for myself when becoming the first British champion. Like, I can't believe that's an accolade, you know, I have. 
um, as the first ever Brit to win the Royal Rumble, the first ever Brit to become world champion. Um, after being the first Scott signed and just to see the constant influx and they're not just other members of the roster, they're such talented members of the roster that contribute to whatever brand they're on. It was inter- it's interesting too, like WWE's had Clash at the Castle, big stadium show in Wales, back-to-back sellouts at the O2 for SmackDown and for Money in the Bank. We have another company, obviously AEW, that has a huge show coming up in Wembley, and then you have John Cena openly teasing bringing WWE to the UK for WrestleMania uh, yeah. also. Uh, Wasn't I supposed to show up at that show? The internet told me. <laughs> <laughs> how's all that make you feel as somebody who grew up in Scotland, seeing the the, the just the level of uh, shows that are starting to to hit the UK now? Um, it feels good to be right. <laughs> I don't like to say I told you so, but um, I had been harassing management for many, many years. Um, and I've, I've told this story many times. Um, when it came to a stadium show in the UK, like I've always known, the passion for the UK fans. I know they would show up if uh, they were given something that was theirs. And I know financially how good it would be for the company. And obviously that's not my area. So it's easy for me to say, we should just do this because I don't understand the logistics. And that was the excuses I got initially. But when it got to the point where we're doing super shows in places like Australia, suddenly things like logistics and time difference raised my eyebrow to about here. And I thought, okay, can we really should be looking at this. And eventually our rumblings of the conversation that we might be getting the stadium show. And eventually I was able to get involved and speak to, you know, the, the Welsh government and our WWE team who were making it happen. And um, it was so cool to finally get that significant stadium show with Clash at the Castle. And then also to be in the main event of it and to hear the fans and then just to see every show afterwards that might get money in the bank there, but then to see also the TVs selling out left and right. And just in general, the product across the world, like WWE is so hot right now, it's selling out all over the place. But uh, when you get big shows in places like Puerto Rico and uh, the UK to see how passionate the fans are, hopefully it shows the U S fans, Hey, you better up your game. We might start taking our shows elsewhere across the world. <laughs> we want to hear that kind of noise. Every single building we go to, not just when we're outside of the U S yeah, and it's, it's been pretty spectacular, uh, you know, even in the U.S. lately. I was at the Madison Square Garden one a few weeks ago, and you couldn't have, unless you got rid of the whole stage, you wouldn't have been able to fit another person into the building. So uh, it's, it's been pretty impressive. You've, you've had a pretty unique uh, career journey, and looking at uh, of kind of Cody Rhodes now, it's relatively similar to the route Cody Rhodes took to where he left, kind of was able to go and reinvent himself and then come back to great success as you did also, you know, winning two world titles. What did you learn about yourself as a person and as a performer while you were gone? And what's it like going through that process of sort of just reinventing yourself? I mean, it's also a little scary at first. I know you're in WWE. uh, You've got that security blanket, the security net, that guaranteed income. Um, but also at the same time, uh, with myself or uh, certainly Cody, you know, believed inside we're capable of more. Um, but for me, you know, I was kind of forced to step outside to see if I was capable of more. And Cody made the decision to go outside the company. And then initially you're like, okay, I believe I can do this. Let's see if I'm right. And uh, you start working hard and you have to have that crazy work ethic. You have to have this insane passion for this industry not just a passion like it has to just consume you or you're not going to succeed out with the company especially and i understood social media was very big at the time 2014 not where it is right now but i knew i could take people on a journey across the world and build this new image and build like drew galloway drew mcintyre it's the same person 
and show them what I was truly capable of. And thankfully, from people believing in me back home, people believing in me in companies like Evolve and Impact and multiple other companies I was champion of, um, I was given the opportunity to build that brand, run hard, find out who I truly was, find my voice, uh, find my in-ring style, be a leader and uh, head uh, of multiple companies as champion and learn what it means to be the champion. And it's not just what happens in the ring. There's everything that happens outside the ring. And I got to work on that. Um, and more importantly, I got to grow as a man, which my wife was a huge part to do with. Um, you know, there's a couple of come to Jesus talks, but, you know, me burning the candle at both ends where I really had to cut some negatives out of my life. And I did improve my body. I realized I wasn't in competition with other people anymore. I was only in competition with myself and had to be the best version of me I could be. And I was able to get myself in the best physical shape of my life, get comfortable on the microphone, find my voice. I was always comfortable in the ring, but really find more of that top guy style and letting things breathe and letting the crowd in and truly being present in every moment and um, growing up as a person. So I, I certainly left a boy and I was able to return a man and to watch Cody um, come out, I believe uh, my brother coined the phrase, like he became a verb to do a Drew. Cody came out, did what I was doing, then took it to the next level, you know, forming his own company and uh, returned uh, to show, you know, hey, I was able to achieve all this, but I've got unfinished business. And that's how I felt as well. And I know he felt the same, like, hey, well, this is where we grew up. Unfinished business. I've been fortunate to achieve the title a couple of times, but Cody's journey um, really is incredible to watch and as annoyed as everybody was with WrestleMania and the finish, like a large portion, I think people are seeing the bigger picture now. There's yeah. so much more steam with the, the Roman bloodline story, but at the same time, they, WrestleMania was followed up with Brock Lesnar and Cody's just got evolved and evolved and evolved. And that's what it's all about is the follow-up and the follow-ups and perfect. He's done his role perfect and it's just got more popular because of it. And just hearing you talk about it, it kind of makes me want to see this version of Drew McIntyre and this version of Cody Rhodes, possibly maybe in a series down the line. I think that would be pretty fun. Hey, we were the tag team champions. We're both about 24, the dashing ones. That's right. Um, yeah, a lot of people forget that, but yeah, similar journeys. We've got the dashing ones thing. Um, and there's lots of other, you know, story elements and things that weren't even on TV that could be touched upon. That's, a money story down the line. I mean, the time is right. I don't want to even think about touching that until the time is right, but right. it'll be a big deal when it happens. I think that would be great. What was it like for you the first time you debuted in WWE? I think that was also around the time you were tagging with the great uh, Dave Taylor. Yeah, it was bizarre because I just got to America like three weeks prior and suddenly I was on SmackDown. Um, I was in the gorilla position before you go through the curtain. Stephanie McMahon asked me, is your real name Galloway? I said, yeah. And I was like, hmm. You know, usually we switch the names. We kind of thought about it, had a quick conversation with somebody, and went, yeah, we should probably switch it. So I had to run to talent relations with uh, Michael Hayes, look up Scottish names on Wikipedia, and all I kept saying was it has to be three syllables, it has to be chantable when I turn good one day. Didn't realize it was going to be over a decade later that I'd be getting chanted. But um, I guess all I had in my head, I went down the list, it said McDonald, and you know, unfortunately he's passed now, but I had a good friend in wrestling, Drew McDonald, who was crazy. I was like, I can't be Drew McDonald. <laughs> It came to that, and then it's a McIntyre, McIntyre, yes, Channable, let's do it. We ran back to Gorilla. It was literally about time for my music. Uh, they buzzed the ring announcer and said, this is his new name, and I made my debut. And if you watch the original clip of me debuting, and you look in the background, you can see Galloway up in the Titantron because <laughs> they didn't have time to change the graphic. 
And uh, in the match, I was just was not ready for television wrestling. I was wrestling uh, Zach Ryder, I believe, at the time. And uh, the referee told me to work the hard camera, and I said to him, "What the f is a hard camera?" Didn't realize <laughs> the main stationary camera that everybody at home, you know, sees you through. And I got back to it because I had no idea. And you know, I had to go back to developmental, which was the best thing for me at the time, Florida Championship Wrestling, where I got to spend time with Steve Kern and. Uh, Dr. Tom Pritchard, Billy Kidman, Norman Smiley, and of course, Dusty Rhodes for the promos, which really was a big part of my development. That's great. Uh, so we're going to move on to something we call the three count now. It's going to be three quick questions and your answers. So first question, who actually had the most musical talent out of 3MB? Actually, did. Hmm. probably me, I guess, because I took guitar lessons from like age... 10 till age 12, so I'm capable of playing a song and reading tab and playing that if I work on it. I mean, if you don't use it, you lose it, but I can pick up a guitar and find it pretty quickly. And Heath and Jinder cannot play an instrument as far as I'm aware, and none of us have great voices. Heath is not scared to sing, but it sounds like uh, I don't even know what it sounds like. Banshee is probably too much of a compliment. <laughs> Uh, next question. If you could have a match with any member of the WWE Hall of Fame, uh, dead or alive, who would it be? Oof, there's many. I'd probably go with Bret Hart since he's, you know, my favorite growing up and I um, had that, you know, believable style. I think we could do some cool stuff in there, but there's so, so many. And the people I never got uh, matches with that I wanted matches with like a Shawn Michaels or whatever um, that was around and got to interact with in the ring I never actually got to have the match with I would have loved that as well What was it about Bret Hart that made him so popular in Europe? Because he was huge in Europe during pretty much his whole run right? Yeah I'm not quite sure I mean he came out with a leather jacket and the sunglasses and kind of looked like a rock star I guess maybe a big part of it but also that style is a very um, you know, if you ever watched UK wrestling, European wrestling, it's a very physical mat-based style. And I think it was still in existence at the time when Brett was really taken off. Like it pretty much died out by the time I'd started. We had to restart the UK scene and the European scene, but it was still prevalent at the time. But for me, I didn't really realize or appreciate Brett, I don't think, as much as I do now until I started wrestling. I just like, oh, I love watching Brett Hart. But when I started wrestling, and understanding the way he structured his matches, his psychology and the likes, I was able to articulate a little better why I was a fan of his. Because, you know, you had Hulk Hogan's at the time, the Warriors, these larger-than-life charismatic guys. And Brett, um, with his in-ring style, was so believable. He told such a compelling story that even as a kid, when I was watching my Disney movies or TV shows or whatever, I'd plop myself down and story time with whatever show I was watching. I did the same thing for Bret Hart matches and I never realized it until I started wrestling and thought back. For other matches, I would sit and watch them, but with Bret matches, I would lean in because he told such a compelling story, beginning, middle, and an end. Even in my childlike mind, it was easy to follow. And I realized, oh my goodness, I have a greater appreciation for him because he structured his matches in such a simple, easy to follow way. It was like story time for me as a kid. Yeah, and even just thinking back to, uh, you know, a lot of Stampede was taking sort of the American showmanship and kind of mashing it up with Japanese and European style in a lot of ways with yeah. some of the people they brought in with, the, you know, Dynamite Kid and Liger yeah. and all sorts of other people over time, too. So, 
Uh, and the last question, do you have a uh, favorite soccer chant that has become a wrestling chant? I think which one has become a wrestling chant? Lots of favorite. There's a ton of them now. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's like ones like people saying like, oh, Drew McIntyre to Seven Nation Army. Uh, I love that. And uh, I've been trying to encourage people to sing, here we, here we, here we effing go, but we are PG, so we'll probably get bleeped. Yep. Um, but yeah, if you got any for me, I'm forgetting. Yeah, I, I mean, I like the Bailey one, but again, that's also, I, I feel like all of them are Seven Nation Army. <laughs> uh, pretty much are. I, I was hurt slightly when I was watching um, the night before I returned and they were singing uh, someone else's name to the tune of Seven Nation Army. And I was hurt. Uh-huh. I was like, oh. I thought this was my song from Clash, guys. You've hurt my one feeling. The only feeling I had left. <laughs> the one where it's if you hate this person, stand up or sit down, too. The one oh, yeah, 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 with Zach Gibson. Didn't they just do that with somebody else also? With Roman, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that was great. Yeah, and then Roman always, like, he's always listening. That's another big thing for, like, a top-level superstar. You've always got to be listening. You know, he'll take anything and maximize it. And, yeah, he sat down himself and, like, led into it. It was very entertaining. And that's what you need. If the crowd are giving you something, especially something that big, and you lean in, it's going to make it more entertaining for everyone in the building and everyone watching. And as not much of a soccer fan, I've covered soccer a little bit in my life, but I, I was not familiar with that chance until watching wrestling. So, um, oh, that's an incredible amount of soccer chance. There's so many that uh, you know, to go to a game is unreal. Like, I've went to a lot of American sports and I'm just blown away, like, how timid the fans are. And if anyone stands up and starts shouting and getting into it and swearing, everyone looks at them in disgust. <laughs> you better sit down at a soccer game if you're not on your feet shouting and screaming and going crazy and you're sitting down you're running the risk of getting in a fight or a bottle hit off your head or something it's a very crazy environment unbelievable so uh drew mcintyre thank you so much for joining me today uh everybody should check out you and gunther for the intercontinental championship at SummerSlam on pay-per-view uh peacock uh saturday at ford field uh really appreciate this and really impressed with everything you've been able to do and following your career Thank you, really. I appreciate you. Thank you. And uh, yeah, we'll get to do this again soon. And until then, enjoy SummerSlam. All right. Thank you. Thank you, buddy. Thanks again, everyone, for joining me today on Under the Ring Pro Wrestling Conversations. I'd like to thank our guest, Drew McIntyre. I'd also like to thank Chuck Kingsbury and Greg Domino from WWE for setting this up. Follow me on Twitter or uh, whatever happens to be called this week at Under the Ring and also on Threads which I called the wrong name last week at PJ Strum for the latest guest announcements when I'm able to make them. And join us right back here next week for another Ring Pro Wrestling Conversations. And have a great week, everyone.